Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies, and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Tamika Leone. She is a confidence and goal success coach, founder of the Coffee Yoga Life blog and the Mindful Success Club. She helps high achieving women redefine what success means to them and create an action plan to make it happen. Tamika, welcome to the space. Hey, Hollis. How are you? I am good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, well, I am glad you're you are here to have a chat. I appreciate it. And I just read the tiniest bit about you. Could you please give people a little bit more information in whatever you want to say about who you are before we dive in? Sure. So you did mention that I am a confidence and goal success coach. And I like to highlight both of those because you can you can have goals. And that was my initial intent. But no matter how big your goals are, you won't achieve them or you won't go after them if you don't have the confidence in yourself that you will be able to achieve them or you will be able to succeed. Mm, that so is, part yeah. of that, yeah, part of that for me, it came from a really rough period that I went through where it was just a, like a lot was changing for me all at once. And I didn't really deal with it well because there were so many different pieces, both in my personal and in my professional life. So it just felt like my whole world was falling apart and reshaping. And I wasn't happy, like I was achieving so many things, but I wasn't really happy and I didn't understand why. Mm. And so it was working through that, that brought me to this point where I'm like, okay, I now see the pitfalls of this and I wanna help other women are going through something similar, something where they know that they want to achieve something. They have a lot of ambition, but the path that they're on may not necessarily be their path. Mm. Say that again. I like that. <laughs> that is a powerful point. So they have ambition. And then do you remember what you said? Yeah. So they have ambitions. Oh, I'm trying to remember exactly how I said it. But it's like they have ambitions, but it's like, you know, the path that they're on may not necessarily be their particular path. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just a really important thing to recognize because there's so many pivots that can happen along the way. And it's just important to recognize that uh, along yeah. the way and be you know, to lead to success that just because we have an idea of it being one way doesn't mean that's the only way. Exactly. Yep. So wonderful. Well, this is going to be a great conversation. So before we dive in further, we're going to start with our would you rather question and then we'll dive okay. into the other questions. So Tamika, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> so, would you rather always hop around on one foot or always have to squat? Mm, 
but I think I'd rather always hop around on one foot. I was Yeah. why why Because I can get around faster <laughs> that way. that is good <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can get around faster that way. yeah understandable it's funny i immediately thought of balance i was like hmm could i balance but it's true i was like sitting if you're hopping you're actually moving my brain Yeah. <laughs> <I was laughs> such a <laughs> yeah. dork my brain was just like oh balancing on one foot no it's like no hollis it's hopping it's movement Yeah, because I did think about the balance, but then I'm like, I would move so slow. And after a while, my knees would kill me. So after like five minutes, I would be like, okay, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> So, yep, hopping it is. I immediately thought, oh, it'd be good for my core. But yeah, that only goes so far for leg muscles. Yeah. So there we go. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> no, enough of that. So So thank you, everybody, for bearing with. So, and please tell us what you would rather do. We would love to know. So, okay, first official, official question is, how do you define creativity? Okay, so for me, creativity is, it's, it's what makes you unique. So when you're creative, it's creativity is an expression of what makes you stand out from everyone else. So it's just another form of you sharing who you are with the world. Hmm. what makes you stand out from everyone else it's that whole authenticity and Yes. the word unique yes yes so tell us a little bit more about your journey because you have an interesting you have an interesting path um And I just really like what I, what this is called exploring, explores battling low self-esteem and imposter Yeah. syndrome. Um, so you've had a journey. So if you could tell us a little bit more about where you were in aviation and your Navy background to where you are now, that would be wonderful. Okay, so my background, if you only look at like just the jobs that I've had, they're somewhat related, but not really. But when you start looking at the bigger picture, you can almost see how I ended up where I am now. So I went to, so I joined the Navy and I left home about two weeks after I turned 18. And this was in 2001. And I was actually in boot camp on 9-11. And I remember that because there was one person in my division who actually lost, I believe it was five family members. His parents, his parents, like his parents were on separate flights, but they were on two of the flights. Oh, God. Yeah, he had a family member who... who worked in the World Trade Center, and then I believe it was another another two that were in the Pentagon. Oh, my gosh. So, and it wasn't, it wasn't until, you know, seeing that and being around that. For me, I didn't, like, I could see what was happening, but it didn't really register. For me, it was more so, like, we were in, so for the Navy, boot camp is in Great Lakes. And that's right outside Chicago. And there were rumors that, you know, they were going to come and blow up this year's tower next. So all of a sudden we went from just being in, you know, regular boot camp training to everything is locked down. We're surrounded by Marines. They have the biggest guns I had ever seen in my life. So we had that, that experience. So that really changed my overall outlook because being honest, I joined the Navy because I wanted to travel. And you got to see the most places in the shortest amount of time. Mm -hmm. So then how long were you in the Navy? So all of this happened. So let me just step back for a minute to that person. I don't know, because I missed just part of it. I'm just curious. Did you say that that person that lost those, the five people, did he stay? there Yes, he was given the option to leave and he chose to stay in. he chose to say so then once you were in this experience of all of a sudden okay i'm just in training but now this is the real deal um how long were you in the navy for So I was in for a total of four years. 
So I just did my first enlistment and then I got out. Okay. Okay. So tell us more about that. So you were in for four years. Did you do a lot of traveling with that or? Um, I did get to see some places, not as much as I would have liked. And one of the places that I really wanted to see, I didn't get to because we were officially at war and that's Turkey. Turkey is like this huge port that everybody used to talk about how awesome it was to go there. So I never got to go to Turkey. Mm-hmm. So, but being in the Navy there, I had an opportunity that most people don't get in the very beginning. So, you know, when you, when you go into the military, you're like at the very bottom of the pool, you do like the worst jobs. You don't actually, at least in the Navy, you don't actually have the opportunity to work in your field until you've been at it for a little while. Mm -hmm. So I got lucky, well, somewhat. So I found out, you know, I had a medical issue. And because of that medical issue, I couldn't be sent out to sea yet. So they ended up sending me to a place that was full of retirees. Well, a place where most people went to retire. So because I was in a completely different environment, I was around like nothing but mentors. Uh, mm -hmm. So I was the youngest person there and they saw my excitement to learn. So they gave me all of these different opportunities. And by the time I left there, I had, I had learned so much. And I, because of their support and because of their patience, I was able to see that, you know, I really had the potential to, to do almost anything I wanted to. So you were, what were you in, in the Navy specifically when you were, you basically got an internship. Basically, you really, yeah. You really got to learn. So was it quality insurance planning? Is that what it was? So in the Navy, I was in aviation maintenance administration. So all of the, all of the paperwork, all of the administrative aspects that went into maintaining aircraft, I was the one responsible for that. Mm-hmm. So this is where, did you know very much about it prior to this? You were just like, oh, that sounds really interesting. Let me do that. No. Or I had no idea what I was getting into. I had never heard of it. I had never even thought about aviation being part of the Navy. So then you got this amazing, these had these incredible mentors really gave you a wealth of information. You felt really supported. So then what was the next step after that? So after, so that was, so I was stationed in two places. My first one was Key West. That's the one where basically everybody goes to retire. The second one was in Virginia and that's when I went out to sea. So I did actually go over to the Gulf. We were there for six months and that's when I got to travel mm -hmm. and see a little bit more of the world. So I was able to visit um, Italy. I've been to Crete, I've been to Bahrain and Dubai and to England and seeing how as Americans, we were, we were one, treating people in their own countries, but also being treated by some of these people. It also opened my eyes to just overall how people respond to certain situations, um, you know, like how people, how we would expect people to be respectful, but you know, you may not always see the same sort of reactions that you may expect from some of these people. Mm -hmm. So then how did that affect? So in learning this and in seeing this, how did it affect you? Honestly, from looking at how a lot of the, I won't say a lot, there weren't a lot, but there, it was enough seeing how Americans acted, especially in Middle Eastern countries it really opened my eyes to the the idea that, okay, just because we're told something about a certain, you know, like certain people, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how you treat them. Mm. We, what we're told may not be the truth. It may not be the full reality. And because there were times seeing how Americans were treating some of these people in their own country, honestly, it was embarrassing. But then seeing... So there were, there was one instance where I did feel a little nervous where we were at, but then 
every other experience that I had in the Middle East, the people were absolutely beautiful. They were the nicest, most welcoming people. Yeah, so true, isn't it? I mean, it's we often get fed, you know, a certain way of believing. This is how I've seen it so many times. It's if people do not have exposure, like you're saying, to traveling or even yeah. getting outside your town and going to different parts of the United States, if if people do not travel or get out of their cities, get out of their bubbles, then it's really easy to get stuck in what you're told by others that people are yeah. a certain way or this place is a certain way or this is how it is. It's if you don't have the, you need to have more of the experience or at least be more open-minded to talk to more people who have, because it's, yeah, this is how stereotypes yeah. and all this stuff get formed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And when you have stereotypes, a lot of people don't realize this, but when you walk around with these stereotypes, you are now treating people according to the stereotypes that you have in your head. So they're reacting to the way that you're treating them. So it's, almost it's not really a self-fulfilling prophecy but in a way it is because you're now treating them in a way that would garner the reaction that you were expecting based on your stereotype exactly it's like well what did you expect if you acted yeah. this way they're responding to yeah to yes yeah. so okay so you got this experience eye-opening experiences and things that kind of nourished you and filled you up because you wanted to travel so then what happened next Okay, so after after doing all of that, I got out of the Navy, and that's when I was still trying to figure out exactly what my next move was going to be. So I'd had some experience working um, in hotels, so I did that part-time because I don't know if you've been to QS. QS is basically a drinking town, and I went there at the age of 18 and left when I was 20. So I wanted something to do with my spare time. Mm hmm and luckily, I couldn't really go out because there were no, there was nowhere for me to go that was 18 and up. Everything was 21 and up. So I ended up getting a part-time job. So that gave me some experience there. And I moved to Orlando. I was like, okay, Orlando, huge tourist area. I should be able to get a really good job, start a whole new career in, you know, in the hospitality industry. That was my first lesson in what it takes to actually live without having the majority of your bills paid for by the military. Uh -huh. Yeah. So in Orlando, I'll just, I don't know if any of your listeners are in Orlando. I'm sure you probably have some. Orlando does not pay well, especially for the largest industry that we have here. It's probably one of the worst paid industries here. Okay. And what is the largest so, industry? Tourism. Well, okay. hospitality. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was actually able to use the experience that I had in the Navy and start working in the aviation field. So that's how I, I kind of bridged that gap. And I like for me, I didn't really, I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to use that experience. But it was taking what I had learned in the Navy, everything that I did in the Navy, bringing that that experience and remembering a lot of what I was taught that really helped me excel in my career outside of the Navy. Hmm. What would you say that if you could say that there was that one thing where you were like, I had no idea how I was going to use this, but you did, what what would that be? Honestly, it was the majority of what I did. I assumed that what I was doing in that area was such a small, it really is actually a very small part of aviation as a whole. And I didn't know, like in my mind, I couldn't see that there would be a way for me to tap into that without already having contacts. Mm -hmm. So being able to, like when I was in my interview for the, for that job, I remember they like they were asking me some questions and I was just talking because it was still so new. I had only been out of the Navy, I think like maybe six or seven months. And it wasn't until I, I actually started that the supervisor told me, he's like, as soon as you said that you knew what a logbook was, you had the job. I didn't realize 
that the skills that I had learned were skills that, you know, people in aviation wouldn't necessarily have. It's so interesting. So just to put this in perspective, everybody, I mean, you were 22 at this point, correct? Yes. So you're young. So yeah. it's not like you're in your 30s and doing this. You're you're a youngin. So um so yeah, so tell us what kind of happened after that because I'm curious how it led into this space of a confidence and goal success coach. Like how you <laughs> made how you made this leap and yeah, so tell us. Okay. So this it actually ended so starting this job it was still like I still had that excitement of you know being being in your early 20s it's like you see the whole world in front of you you can accomplish anything and everything you put your mind to plus i had the experience of you know having mentors and seeing that i was i ended up becoming the expert in the office for what my job was because i had that support behind me so i brought all of that with me and it's funny because I was, I was thinking back to, in my mind, what I thought was success at that point. Mm-hmm. So, and you'll probably find this funny. So for me, one of the first things that said, okay, if you have this thing, that means that you are important. Okay. It was a work cell phone. <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's like, it's important. It's like, wow, they're trusting me with a work phone. Yeah. So I had that. And then the next thing was, okay, they give you a work laptop. Mm, yeah. So I ended up getting that. And then it's like, oh, what was the next one? So it was the cell phone. Oh, the cell phone, the laptop. The next thing was meetings like oh my god if you if you go to meetings if you you know get an invite to a meeting that means you're important exactly you're a (laughs) grown-up i get it so like as i keep achieving each of these things i'm seeing the next step and for me the the next step the last step to being or being seen as successful and being seen as important in this job was traveling for work Mm -hmm. So I'm getting all of this. I'm doing all these things. And again, I built myself up to becoming the expert in my role at work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I loved it. I really, I really identified with being the expert. I didn't realize it at that point, but I really, truly identified with that. And so I'm building and building and building. And then our company gets acquired by a much larger global company. And in my mind, I'm like, there's so much opportunity here. This company is massive. I can do so much more. So I'm still super excited. I take on a whole lot more responsibilities. I get promoted several times in like a year and a half. And then the transition starts where we were finally changing from who we were as because we went from a company, I think of about maybe 300 people to being part of a company of 65,000 people. Oh, crap. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we went from having that really tight-knit, you know, like family-type environment to you're just a number. Yeah. So as we started this transition, that's when all of a sudden it was, okay, you can stay in your current your current role. By this point, I was a manager of the team. It's like you can stay in your current role and be demoted because we already have a manager and work in a department where you already know that you don't trust the leadership or you can move into this new role. Mm-hmm. So at the time, I loved the department that I was in. So I chose to stay with my department because I knew I didn't want to move to that new department and I didn't want to deal with the demotion. Yeah. So... I, you know, I started taking on the new role, but this was also around the time that I had turned 35. And, you know, once you're in your 30s, it's like your body starts changing, your metabolism goes to almost non-existent. (laughs) And it's like, like for me, I realized also I wasn't picking things up as quickly as I had before. Huh. Uh Uh-huh. So it was dealing with that. It was like, okay, I went from never having to worry about what I ate, 
to all of a sudden, okay, I'm putting on weight and it's not coming off. Now I'm no longer the expert. I went from being the expert to now I'm in a role with <coughs> no experience. Almost mm -hmm. really had no interest in the job before I had even heard of it. And so it felt like I was starting all over again. Like I was just learning how to crawl again. Mm -hmm. And then I had all these, mm -hmm. you know, the young ladies coming into the office. They're like 19 and 20 and it's just like they're full of energy. They're all excited. They're super skinny. And I'm just like, I remember that. Mm -hmm. And once that happened, that was my first time having that kind of thought. Mm. And I started comparing myself to them to a standard that I just I couldn't do anymore without an amount of effort that I wasn't willing to put in. And on top of that, I was holding myself to being an expert. Like I was frustrated because I wasn't an expert in this new role that I had absolutely no experience in and that nobody else expected me to understand. So wait a minute, they didn't expect you to understand it, but they put you in the role? They didn't expect me to come in with that understanding. They okay. knew I would pick it up. They okay. didn't expect me to walk into it knowing what that, you know, knowing exactly what I was going what I was supposed to be doing. Okay, I got you. Uh-huh. So it was dealing with that. And it was at that point that I realized how much I truly identified with being seen as an expert. So there was so much learning that needed to happen. Yes. Were you being supported? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That Anything that I wanted to know, they like my leadership. And that's part of why I wanted to stay in that department. My leadership was absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because of anything that they did or said. It was really me looking at myself and because I felt like I was basically learning everything all over again, I no longer felt like I had any of that control that I once had. Like when I was the expert, I could do my job in my sleep. So right. I was taking on a whole bunch of additional responsibilities. I was becoming known for so many different things. And I brought that expectation into the new role. Mm -hmm. So was this a good thing for you? Because it's expansion. It was expansion, but I truly enjoyed what I did before. And I wasn't sure. I like the way they explained the role to me. I thought it would be fun. I was like, oh, this will be exciting. It's a new opportunity. Oh. And I started like I started doing it and I, it was fun, but I was still dealing with, you know, the personal side of things. And then like everybody's like, oh, you've gotten all these promotions. You're doing great. The company must really like you. And like the deeper I got into it and the more I did the role, the unhappier I became. So I was doing that. Plus every day I was seeing the reminders of in my head, it's like, I used to be that. I'm not that anymore. Mm. So, yeah, it was, it was, that was for me, that was the struggle. It was because I no longer had any of the things that I identified with as something for me to hold on to as I was moving forward with these changes. Yeah. So then what was the next step? So how long did it take before you said, I can't do this anymore? I'm really unhappy. Um, it was a few months. It was a few months of me dealing with that. And at this time, nobody knew. Like, I didn't tell anybody that I was dealing with this. And it got to the point, I like, before this, I had, I had tried journaling, but I just couldn't get into it. And I happened to have a journal there that had been given to me as a gift, I think like the year before. Mm -hmm. And one day I just sat down and I started writing. And my big thing for myself was, okay, I know I'm unhappy. I know I have all these things happening for me that if I look, you know, at the big picture, I should be happy for, but I'm not. So what do I want? And it was that question that prompted me to really look at what I was doing and what I truly wanted to get out of my life. Mm. 
So prior, you weren't inspired to journal. It just wasn't the time. And then when you actually sat down at this point and got to this one particular question, what do I want? Then it started pouring out. Yeah. Yeah. You were ready. First time, I think it was like four or five pages that I wrote. Like I just sat down and I just started writing. So I just poured everything into that journal. So did that lead you to this next to this next part, which was the confidence and goal success coaching? Originally, the idea was just to write a blog. So I wanted to be a source of inspiration for for women who were going through something similar. You know, it's like they're working towards all these goals, but they're not happy with the success that they have. So I just wanted to be that source of inspiration to let them know that you can create your own goals. You don't have to achieve the goals that others have said should be your goals. Mm -hmm. So I did that for, I want to say about two years or about a year and a half to two years. And then I was like, you know what? I want a, I want a, a stronger bond with the women that I'm working or that are reading my blog. I want to really be able to help them. And that's when I decided to add the coaching aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So you were, I like it. it. It's one of these, you know, when you really start exploring. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there a, just noisy? Just so you know, it's a lot of noise is coming through on your mm-hmm. end. Yeah. I don't know if you were moving papers or something. Um, anyway, so um, what was I just saying? Oh, so it starts in this one space because it's you want to get your ideas out and then just create this safe space where you're really speaking. I totally relate to this. It's like you're speaking on topics and you're seeing who it resonates with and then you're getting it out into the world. It's like you're birthing it. And then yes. you get to that next level and you're like, okay, let's take this a step further Yeah, and really create more connection because it's that we don't always know the how and what it's going to look like in the end, but it's taking those steps in order to build it, which is, um, it, it just, it creates things beyond your awareness, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. So here where we were talking about where we named this, um, because you're a goal and success coach, um, I want to, if you could tell people a little bit more about what that means and what that looks like, and then kind of talk about the, the low self-esteem and imposter syndrome. Okay. So for me, I focus on working with women who have really big goals, who have really, you know, they have these ambitions to, to just do so much more than what they're doing and because I understand that while you may have these goals you may have all this energy and ambition you may not like your goals may not be fully aligned with what would truly bring you joy so the first thing that I do is work with them to redefine what success means for them so we look at that holistically it's not just saying okay I want to make you know $150,000 a year I want this big huge house it's looking at how you want to feel like what are what are the things that you want and how do you believe those things will make you feel and what can we do to get you to that point of feeling that way mm-hmm and then we work on creating the plan. So I I love looking at big picture plans and then breaking that down. It's great because it's really having people think in a different way because we've been trained um, to be like, oh, I want the house. I want to earn this much money. I want to do that. But it's like, okay, let's break it down into smaller pieces Yeah. to then be able to get to that point. Yeah. And a lot of times people... Like they'll have this idea that it's like, okay, I want, you know, like a 10 bedroom house, but they don't understand why it's just to them. I need this thing. Right. Once you really break it down, it's like, okay, why do you want that? What is that going to give you? And a lot of times that could just be, you know, maybe they want to take care of their parents when their parents aren't able to take care of themselves, or maybe they have you know, friends and family who are constantly going to be coming to visit and they want space for them. 
Mm-hmm. Or maybe they need space for themselves from, you know, their family. Maybe they want more space for for their kids. So it's just fully understanding the reason behind why they want what they're saying they want. Because it may not be that specific thing. You can find those things. You can find the things that you want without having those specific things that you said. You know, so if if you understand why somebody wants something then one, you may be able to get to it faster because you may help them see other opportunities that they can achieve that. Right. Do you find, um, so the low self-esteem, do you find that people will in what you're doing? So where does that come in? So here they have these really big goals, but they may not be fully aligned. Is there self-esteem or imposter syndrome issues in that? Do you find? For, I feel that the low, the low self-esteem, you see it a lot when people have goals that aren't necessarily their goals. So a lot of times growing up, you'll be, you'll be told, oh, well, you need to be a doctor, you need to be a lawyer, or you need to have this much money, or this is what success looks like. You yeah. know? Even if you're not told that, you'll see how your, you know, your parents, your grandparents, how older generations treat people based on what they believe is success yeah and so you're fighting for these things because you know you want to be seen as successful but you're fighting for something that you don't really want so when you're doing that a lot of times people just don't believe that what they want is something that they're either allowed to want or something that equals success yeah. So they're not looking at it from the perspective of, okay, this is what I want. So once I achieve this, I will be successful. They're looking at it from the point of, if I don't have these things, then I'm not successful because this is what everybody says success looks like. Yeah. So when you're fighting with what you want over what you're actually doing, a lot of times it's because you don't believe that what you want is worthy of being called success or that you're not worthy of the level of success that you're hoping to gain. Uh, Yeah, that was beautiful. So true. So true. That whole, that whole, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's, oh no, I was going to say with the imposter syndrome, it's along the same lines, but I see that more as, you know, when you're working towards these goals, when you're working towards whatever the goal is, and this applies, whether it's your goal or a goal that you're chasing after that's not really your goal. Mm-hmm. This is you thinking to yourself, it's like, why am I doing this? Why, you know, I don't deserve to be here. I'm not, it's like, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not smart enough for this. I don't have the right experience. I don't have the right background for this. Mm-hmm. That Nate, so God, that self chatter can suck. Yes. Can it? <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> goes back to that whole thing of like would you be friends with that voice exactly it's like if you wouldn't say that to your child or if somebody said that to you how would you feel like why do you feel it's okay for you to say it to yourself but if somebody else said that to you it would be an issue so ladies and gentlemen listening to this you you've heard this a million times but (laughs) see if it resonates this time (laughs) That voice is bad, bad voice. It does nothing but make you feel like crap. Yeah. And you don't get anything done. It's that whole, everything that we're talking about, low self-esteem, so imposter syndrome, everything. So let's kind of move towards finding out a little bit more about you, Tamika, and ways that you bring creativity into your own life. How does that feel good for you? Okay, for me... It goes back to what I mentioned about I see creativity as as your, you know, what makes you unique. So for me, one of the things that I absolutely love doing, and this is, it's a mindfulness activity for me, but it's also just an activity that I've always enjoyed doing. And that's coloring. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's one, I love the colors. I love coloring mandalas. So okay. I love seeing all the different designs. And it's also a really good way to deal with anxious energy. So if you deal with a lot of anxiety, 
that's a really good way to get that energy out mm -hmm. while creating something that you like to look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I also, I love um, playing around in the garden. So I'm part of a community, a community garden. And so I love being there. I love doing, you know, just trying different seeds, trying to find new plants that none of us, that none of us have growing. A few of us actually do that. So it's just trying to find new ways that we can bring something new to the garden. And I love being able to bring the stuff home and finding new, new ways to cook the different ingredients that I'm growing. Ooh, love that. Are you a recipe follower or do you do it on your own? Make it up. Um, that's actually another way that I incorporate creativity. So I'll read the recipe and it depends on what it is. If it's baking, I follow it to the T the first time. Okay. If it's not baking, generally I'll switch up maybe just like one or two little things the first time. Mm -hmm. And then if I make it again, then I switch it up a little more. And each time I keep switching it up until I get it to a point where it's like, okay, this is my, my version of this recipe. Uh, I like that. So my version. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My daughter always yells at me because I tend to be, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I like, I represent my daughter in a bad way. She's an amazing person. <laughs> she really is, but she's just very vocal and she'll say, follow the recipe, mom. It's there for a reason. Use the spices because I'll tend to not know exactly what to use. So I use the same ones. So she's like, look at it for that. But I like what you're saying here is that, you know, you'll look at it and then use it and then tweak it until you really make it yours. Yes. I mean, a recipe is to me, it's not something to follow exactly. It's a guideline. So it's like when you're learning something, you follow the steps and then when you identify a step that may not work for you exactly as it's presented, then you change it so that it works for you. Yeah. 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 Going back to the planting of the seeds, I can't remember the, this is kind of silly for me to bring it up because I can't remember the name of the, um, of the place. But years ago, my husband showed me this site with these seeds that are dated back to like the 1700s. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, like you could purchase these seeds of like eggplants that they tried like way back when that come in all different. I don't know. I don't I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but if you don't, I'll ask my husband and I'll get the link and share it with you. Um, I don't know of any specific sites, but I have um, bought a few different heirloom seeds. There was mm -hmm. actually a point in time where there were a few of us in the garden and we were all trying different heirloom seeds. The only ones that I think I really had any luck with were tomatoes. And the that tomato plant was the best producing tomato plant I have ever had. And the tomatoes were huge and they were delicious. Uh, yum. Yum. <laughs> Growing your own food. <laughs> yes. And it tastes so much better. Mm -hmm. it's so much better like the other day I went to grab a few things and clean up the plot a little bit and I had a whole bunch of sweet peas so while I was there I ate all of the sweet peas that I had that were ready I didn't get to bring any home but I had a healthy snack <laughs> while I was out there so it was right there like you just yeah so but I like what you're bringing up too actually in this aspect because to me you're talking about community this isn't something yeah. that you're just doing alone. You're there's there's this whole community side to it um, where it's all a similar mission and you're learning from each other and um, all of that. So that sounds I love that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. The community garden is amazing. If it wasn't for being part of that, I don't know that I would be as ex well before joining the, the garden, anything that I tried to grow died probably within a week and that's if it grew from seed so if mm -hmm. i tried to buy something that was you know like the from the nursery yeah they would last like a few days wow so you're saying that you just you learned a ton from the people around you in order to get better at it yeah because you have people who are master gardeners and then you have people who are new and just starting out. But everybody in this in this community garden is really helpful. We share seeds. We'll, 
you know, like if one of us gets a new catalog, we'll email everybody, say, hey, I have this new catalog, and then we'll all place orders, you know, because the larger the order, then the less you pay for shipping. So a lot of times we'll get together and place one giant order, and then we end up not having to pay shipping or something like that. And then we start trading seeds. It's like, okay, like one, one guy, he wanted pink celery. So he bought some pink celery. Another lady, she had um, black tomatoes. And I forget, I had tried a few different, like a few different seeds and we just shared the seeds. Mm. So you shared the seeds and trying, did you mix them together? Mix them or no. we, you just yeah, shared we would them? Just, we just shared. So if, you know, mm. if I had some seeds that somebody else wanted to try, then I would give them a few seeds for them to try. Okay, and then we would you. just share that way. Yeah. Pink celery. That's I cool. don't think he got it to grow. Because it okay. started, but yeah, because I was just thinking, I'm like, because that was the year I remember specifically, he wanted a rainbow garden. Ah, so all cool. of the, like all of the different colors that he could find of all of the different plants, that's what he was trying to do. And none of us had heard of pink celery. So this is beautiful, everybody. So just even taking this part of it in thinking when you define creativity as your your uniqueness and what you bring, his thinking was, you know, he's using his imagination and he has this idea of, I want to have a rainbow garden. And then he's using mm -hmm. his skills to make that come to life and happen. So this can yeah. look, this can look this way in your life in whatever that means to you, whether, whether it's in gardening, whether it's in exercise, whether it's in creating business deals, like whatever that is, you imagine it, you envision it. And also this community aspect or reaching out to at least other people going beyond yourself in order to make it happen. It's just, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, gosh. So, okay. So tell me, so is there anything else? I love what you were talking about with the coloring and the mandalas and the garden and the cooking is there anything else that ways that you bring it into your life do you have a morning routine um i do actually i don't know that it's really a routine it goes based on how i feel mm -hmm. so but generally it includes um journaling as one of the very first things that i do when i wake up so i'll journal i've added my my workouts back into my routine i did have that as a routine before covid for a little while and then covid killed everything so i'm finally getting myself back to that point where i'm doing that every morning mm -hmm. okay and then it's really just feeling for me i do a lot based on how i feel yeah. because i realize if i try to force certain activities i end up giving myself a migraine because i don't really want to do those activities Mm. Mm -hmm. so I you know consider how I feel for the day what activities I you know I have the energy for yeah and then that's what I focus on for the most part I mean there's always going to be things that you just don't feel like doing that still need to happen right right but especially when you're creating those times for yourself uh, I think it's really important what you're saying is to go back to how you feel about it instead of it kind of goes back to the whole shoulds and the yeah. other people telling you what you should be doing or what success means. And, and you're yes. like, I really don't want to do that. I don't want to work out <laughs> in the morning. It stresses me out and I hate it. Well, then that's not for you. Maybe it looks, exactly. a, different, looks a different way. Um, maybe it's just about going out for a walk and not doing push-ups. Um, yep, exactly. So kind of taking that into consideration. Let's just touch on, before we get to the last question, um, traveling. So, because you mentioned the whole fact that you really wanted to travel. That's why you joined the Navy. Mm -hmm. Have you Have you done, I know, you know, where we are in the world right now, but as far as circumstances, but have you done more traveling on your own that uh, is something for, that you really enjoy? So I haven't traveled as much as I would like to, but I have been, I have been to Costa Rica and I will say I honestly had no interest in going to Costa Rica before that trip 
it was a trip that came up and it was it came up at a point where I was like I need to get away at least for a few days I need something that's so completely different so it came up at the perfect time and I absolutely fell in love with the country and I can't wait to go back yeah 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 both of my kids went there um on programs and with like gap year stuff and my son did one on one side like a different like more of an immersion and my daughter Mm. did a group experience and it was life-changing for both of them yeah, it's such a beautiful country. And again, the people are just, they were so friendly. And I, 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 so I have an issue with height, but I zip lined. That was my first time zip lining. And I had fun, like at first, because I don't know if you've ever done a zip line. I honestly thought it would just be like one or two things and then we would be done. No, it went on for like an hour and a half. There were so many things. And the first one was the highest one. And we had to climb up like this huge tower. And in my head, I'm like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? (laughs) And I couldn't look down because we were so high up. Yeah. But after the second one, it felt easy. And I was just like, okay. I mean, I wasn't excited to keep going, but I realized I was having fun. So that is something I would do again. So interesting. So just to kind of highlight that again, it scared you. You started off by saying you were scared of heights. Yes. But as you faced it, so what made you do it? Like why, what kept you, you could have stayed scared. Why did, why'd you do it? Um, well, I was there with one of my friends and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this experience. Part of it was I wanted to step out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Now I have no intention of doing a whole lot more, you know, when it comes to anything dealing with heights. But because I had always heard that zip lining is something that you have to do in Costa Rica, I'm like, I don't know when I'm going to get this opportunity again. Let me just go ahead and do this. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was fun. And I would definitely do it again. Even having to go up that really high tower, I just won't look down and I'll wait till I actually get to the line and I can just go. See, now you know what, <laughs> now you know what to look for. And it's, it's funny. Cause when my son got back, uh, from the trip, he then told me that he did the zip line and then he showed me videos of not him doing it, but what, but what the space looked like and how, when he walked out, it was clear. So where you were jumping from, you could see straight mm. down. I was just like, oh. I'm so glad you didn't tell me. <laughs> so happy <laughs> that I knew nothing about this. And um, yeah, yeah. The, the beauty of the other side of being a parent. Of... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! But yeah, he was, he was, he's not a fan of heights either. Um, and my daughter, when she did it, she, um, th- there was the wind conditions were too strong. So they uh-huh. did, they did the lower ones and then they had to stop at the higher ones. So yeah, yeah. but but very cool. So went to Costa Rica and any place else that you would be like, Um, this was really, really a beautiful place to be. So I also got a chance to go to Paris for work. Mm -hmm. And the way that trip worked out, we actually had about a half day of, you know, doing like sightseeing stuff every day that we were there. So I still don't understand how I got so lucky with a trip like that because anybody else who had to go anywhere for work, especially that was in another country, they were literally working from the time the sun got up to the after the sun went down. They had a few hours to eat and sleep and then they were back at it again and then they went to the airport. So the gods were with you on this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it was a work trip, so almost everything was covered by my job. Nice. So part, yeah. Yeah. All my meals, all my transportation, yeah, all my snacks. Yeah, yeah. Your your angels and guides were like, yes, we're giving this to her. She so deserves this. Yeah, so that was cool. That was cool. So that's the only two out-of-the-country trips that I've taken. Um, I've done a couple of things in the States. So I've been to Salt Lake City actually quite a few times now. And I actually really enjoy Salt Lake City. I think it's okay. a beautiful city. Mm-hmm. Um, 
trying to think of where else has been. Nowhere else has really been exciting for me in the States. That's the beauty of, so anybody listening, just a reminder, if you get a chance to actually travel, traveling in your own country is really a gift. It's, we've done it a few times. Yeah. Um, but my husband and I, before we were married, and it's just, it's just an adventure. So, um, and it just leads back to what we were saying before of getting out of your own space and meeting different people and seeing different things and seeing how things can be so different, not that far away. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So as we're getting to the top of the hour, we are going to wrap it up with the third question, which is some things that we've touched on, but it's wrapping it nicely with a little bow of why do you think creativity is important? Uh, so this fits into why I started my business. So for me, each one of us is a unique individual with very unique life experiences. We each have our own goals and dreams. And because of our life experiences, those feed into those goals and dreams. So those are unique to who you are as a person. So because you have these unique goals and dreams with your unique life experiences, you should have a unique definition of success and a unique plan to achieve that definition of success that takes all of who you are as a person into account. Oh, wow. Okay. I like how that just kind of ebbed and flowed. <laughs> it sounds like, like for me, I always feel like I'm saying unique a lot, but that's really what it is. We need to focus on what makes us unique and then create a path that accounts for that and follow that. Yeah. Create your own path. It doesn't have to look like everybody else's. Exactly. Yeah. That's when it's going to feel good. That's when you're going to be in flow. That's when you're, you're just, you're going to feel more, you know, confident and um, give yourself permission. And all of these things is when you're following your own path and you can yes. actually really step into it. Wow. So Tamika, this is a great place to lead into after sharing that. So how can people connect with you? Okay. So I'd say right now, probably the best place to connect with me, you can always find me on my website at goalsuccesscoach.co. And I've been spending a bit more time on Facebook lately because I just opened up a free Facebook group and it's a community for high achieving women who just want to have the support of other women and to help empower other women as well. So that's called success without stress. Mm -hmm. So, or you can find me on Instagram. I'm the same on Instagram and Facebook and that's at the goal success coach. Wonderful. So before we say our goodbyes, is there anything else you feel like you want to share out any more words of wisdom? So this one is actually fairly short. But I think it's one thing that if if you don't bring or if you don't take anything else away from everything that we've talked about, just take away this one thing. And that is that you deserve the same time, energy and attention that you give to everyone else. Yes. Self-nurturing. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You are worthy. You deserve it. Exactly. So that is a perfect way to wrap everything up. Tamika, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this hour. Really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much for having me on here, Hollis. I, I really had a lot of fun. Good. Me too. Always love these conversations. So we appreciate everybody that was here with us live, those listening to the replay. Mm -hmm. This space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories. So please like, follow, share so we can spread the word and lift each other up because I believe we have always needed this, but I think we need it now more than ever. So, um, <laughs> Sorry, my brain, my brain just blooped. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, so um, we wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, wherever you are listening and we look forward to talking to you again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Feeling inspired? 
let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh? be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, coffee book, 